Hello there, and thanks for joining me on the podcast today. Anxiety. That's my topic. Anxiety. Overcoming anxiety. Understanding anxiety. Understanding the panic attack. Understanding some of the strategies that you can utilize to manage the anxiety and keep it under control. So, it's a big topic. It's an important one for many, many people. And a large portion of the population struggle with various levels of anxiety. Sometimes it's worse than others. And we happen to be living at a time right now when the level of anxiety has increased nationally. With the epidemic that's going on right now, the virus, there's a lot of uncertainty, unknowns, uncertainties of all kinds, personal and community-wise and nation-wise and globally. So we have questions and we have doubts and we have fears and we have worries. It's all part of the anxiety pattern. So I want to take a look at the word of the word of anxiety and the world of anxiety and the world in which you live as an anxious person. Recently, I came upon a book by Dr. Elizabeth McMahon, M-C-M-A-H-O-N is her name. It's called Overcoming Anxiety and Panic. Good book. And uh, in this book, I'm going to take a, just a swat at the first part of it. And uh, on another occasion, I'll come and we'll discuss further issues related to anxiety. But she makes the point, and it's a good one, actually. That if you're going to control the anxiety in your life, you're going to manage the anxiety in your life, you're going to reduce and minimize the anxiety in your life, you first of all have to understand what the triggers are that create anxiety for you. Anxiety is not a state that you just live in all the time, 100% of the time. Anxiety comes and goes. It's up and down. It's strong. It's weak. It's very powerful. It's very moderate. It's manageable. It's unmanageable at different times. So we have different levels of anxiety, and we have different approaches to anxiety, and we have different experiences with anxiety. Everybody experiences it just a little differently. Anxiety is not the same for all. So in this book, she identifies several sources of anxiety, which she calls the triggers of anxiety. And she says, because we know them, because we know what the triggers are, we're in a much better position to not only understand anxiety, but manage it and control it in our life. Even panic attacks we can control better because we understand what the triggers are for this particular response of panic. So we have to learn our personal anxiety cycle. We have to include those things that would trigger the anxiety of sensations and fears and danger thoughts of various kinds and fear-based actions and so on. So let's take a look at what she identifies as the major sources or triggers of anxiety. And she names five of them. And uh, if you have an anxiety problem, you know, this is very important for you to understand. Because you first of all have to understand what triggers your anxiety. And what triggers your anxiety is different than triggers somebody else's. So it's not the same. You have a unique pattern to your anxiety. So you need to understand that. So first of all, she says, look at the genetic factors that might be contributing to your anxiety. You know, anxiety tends to run in a family, and that's the genetic, you know, factor. And some people are more likely to have fears and worries and panic attacks because they've inherited this tendency and may also be more likely to have depression problems as well or alcohol problems or drug abuse problems because there's a pattern in the family. So if your drug, if your blood relatives have any of these kind of problems, it may be a sign that your nervous system tends to react more quickly and more intensely than other people. So if you have anxiety, you know, it's probably um, based a little bit anyway on the genetic factor in your life, the blood relatives in your life. Those that are included in the blood relative line are as follows, you know, their biological parents or grandparents or aunts and uncles, 
of nieces and nephews and cousins and brothers and sisters and children you may have. So, but all these kind of people are part of your genetic pool. So if you have anxiety, study the genetic pool from which you come. The genetic pool of your life, all the people that represent your history and your particular family background, and see what the anxiety pattern has been and is with these people. And if there are more and more people you can identify as having had anxiety, probably see that there is a genetic base more likely to be occurring in your anxiety. And conversely to that, if your family and genetic pool has really the absence of anxiety, then you have to look elsewhere. Anxiety can be from other sources, you know, as well, and not just the uh, source of genetic background or the genetic pool from which you come. But that's one anyway. You got to look at that genetic fact, and it's hard to understand it because you know it's hard to know what the genes really are. But if there's a pattern that you want to look for, if there's a extensive pattern, the more and more people in your background that have anxiety, the more likely you have a genetic factor at least contributing, making you more likely to be aroused, making you more likely to be excited, making you more likely to have this level of activation of your nervous system when certain things occur. Okay, that's number one. Here's number two. There are chemical triggers. Now, caffeine, it would be a good example of that. For some people, caffeine is a trigger and stimulates and creates a level of anxiety, creates a level of arousal, just like energy drinks, sport drinks energy bars that people eat. You know, stimulants uh, don't create panic, um, but they do contribute to an arousal level. And then if two or three or four things all operate at the same time that create more and more and more arousal, you can get into the panic. But alcohol is another factor. Alcohol has two different effects. At first, the alcohol has a relaxing effect. That's why it's addicting, because it relaxes people. If you drink alcohol when you're tense and nervous and it relaxes you, you're going to do that more and more often because you got that connection. Alcohol leads to relaxation. When you want to relax, you drink alcohol and so on. And before you know it, you're into an addictive pattern. So that's one effect of alcohol. The other one is that drinking alcohol is the opposite. Alcohol makes you more likely to have anxiety up to two days after the drinking pattern. So there's that initial relaxation and then there's the follow-up of increased levels of anxiety. And when you have increased levels of anxiety, there's a tendency to seek out alcohol again, to relax. And before you know it, you're into a vicious cycle. And that vicious cycle is nothing more than addiction. You know, smoking has its same effect. It creates anxiety over time. Vaping particularly promotes anxiety. You know, former smokers all report they're calmer and they sleep better and their hands are steadier and so on after they quit smoking. Marijuana is also known as a very major contributory to anxiety. So some people have their worst effect, their worst panic attack while smoking marijuana or shortly thereafter. Certainly eating the edibles. That's really the one that creates a great deal of anxiety because you eat an edible and you get no response. You eat another one. If you like it, you eat another one. You eat two or three. The effect from the edible comes on about an hour, an hour and a half later. So if you've eaten two or three or four edibles in that hour and they all come on and hit you later, you're going to have a tremendous arousal that might even look like panic attacks. So street drugs of all kinds, over-the-counter drugs, over-the-counter supplement, herbal remedies and dietary supplements all have the potential to create anxiety because they boost energy. And um, anything that gives you a sense of, of arousal or a sense of uh, elation, steroids, you know, certainly fall into that. So various, various kinds of prescription medications have that potential. So hormone uh, medication of various kinds has that 
same kind of potential. Some days time people get depressed, sometimes they just get nervous and anxious. So you have to look at the triggers of chemical. Chemicals that come in the form of pills and medications and drugs of various kinds, legal and illegal. So those are the two triggers. Here's the third one. We call them the external stress triggers. You know, these are things that are environment, family stress that's going on, times of loneliness, you know, being bullied, the thought about the possibility of being bullied when you go to school in the morning, family relationships, you know, having to get together with a family that's stressful and unfriendly and unkind. Sometimes children create the anxiety, parents and grandparents, co-workers, friends, you know, people who are uh, anxious and then you get around them, you get anxious because it's just that much more. So there are all kinds of external triggers, you know, stress, things that are going on in society. Right now we have when our society going on is a virus, an epidemic virus, and there's a lot of unknowns about that. This is an external stressor, and how you think about it and how you manage it is an enormously important factor if you have anxiety. So think of anxiety as coming from external sources, external triggers, and get a handle on them. Okay, here's another one, what we call the self-demand, particularly unrealistic self-demands. These are things like when you criticize yourself, or you call yourself hurtful names, uh, or you see yourself as being helpless, incompetent, weak, see yourself vulnerable, you see? Focus on problems rather than solutions. Focus on things of your past which are negative and unpleasant and unkind and hurtful. You focus on people of your past that have been hurtful and unkind to you. These are all kind of things that create anxiety. It's the way that you think, the unrealistic demands, the unrealistic expectations, the unrealistic views of yourself, that negative self-talk, if you will. These are things that create a great deal of anxiety. How you talk about yourself, to yourself. You put yourself down. You know, do you feel guilty and do you kind of dwell on that? Do you feel lonely and do you dwell on that and how unwanted you are and how unloving you are and how unlovable you are and all that. Anxiety comes from that kind of self-thinking and self-talk. And again, if you have anxiety, you got to look at these five areas of triggers. And then you have to say, can I reduce them? Can I control them? Can I manage them? Can I change them? Can I reduce them in some way? Can I eliminate them from my life? Can I stop thinking certain ways? Can I stop talking certain ways? Can I stop being around certain people? Can I stay away from certain substances? Can I stay away from certain objects? Can I stay away from certain places, certain things? All that. You can change your behavior to reduce the things that trigger anxiety. But you won't know what to do until you study what the triggers of anxiety are for you. And you have to remember, you're an individual to yourself. What's anxiety trigger for somebody else is not the anxiety trigger for you. So you have your own trigger, you have your own set, you have your own combination of factors that play a role. And those are the ones you have to deal with. Don't worry about other people. If they have anxiety or if they've been able to manage it or they've been able to control it, that's good. But that necessarily will not work for you. You have to take a look at these five areas of triggers of anxiety and then see which one is the most, and then see which one is the important one for you. Now, before we uh, end, what I want to do is one more trigger for anxiety, what we call the past events trigger. These are things that have happened in your lifetime, your childhood perhaps. Maybe you've been abused. Maybe you've been living with an abusive parent. Maybe you have had um, very unpleasant 
um, failure kind of experiences. And um, maybe you've had times with people that have been very hurtful and very harmful and very painful people in your life. And then to think that you have to be with them again or to think about them just creates that trigger of anxiety. Just kind of recall and reflect on some of these kind of experiences makes you feel anxious even all the more. So um, you have to kind of remember that past experiences and the refocusing of them is really a major factor in anxiety itself. Past events of various kinds. And um, sure, we wish that we all had positive and pleasant past events, but many of us don't. And many of us have these kind of memories that are just panicky memories whenever we come to them. So anyway, give some thought to that and make sure that what you do is very important to you. And um, make sure that you have um, ways to create a sense of anxiety that can come down and be peaceful and be restful and you can handle it and you can manage it. Bye for now.